Hi, it's Penny here. Um, I'm really glad to be back to talk a little bit more about connecting with people and finding the ME community. I hope you enjoyed my first episode. You will have to forgive me. I am still learning, which you've probably realised. But I hope that that won't detract from your enjoyment of my podcast episodes. So without further delay... I'm going to get in-depth into this part of episode two. So basically, a lot of people who have ME can't speak at all. So there is a need for advocates and other ways of communicating. Those ME sufferers who can't speak or who have great difficulty with speech and they would be in the probably very severe category, they will often need to be lying in a darkened room 24-7 with no sensory stimulus at all so that they can cope day to day. So to communicate they might use hand signals, their own form of communication Um, or using printed cards to convey what their needs are. Um, But even by doing that, it will be utterly exhausting for them and it can trigger relapse and further deterioration, very sadly. Hopefully, um, through these couple of episodes about um, that side of ME, um, I hope you'll get an idea of how it works. I don't want to get too um, dark on the subject, but it is a harsh reality. Um, But anyway, I will move on to a little bit about the ways in which I have uh, developed ways of communicating. So to begin, I'll give a little bit of a background as to where I was at the beginning of the illness. I couldn't speak very well at all. My voice was a whisper for years. I also couldn't use computers because of the glare and because of my lack of cognitive function. I also found it very difficult to send text messages This is pre-Android and also the nearest um, support group was 15 miles away and I couldn't travel, which I still can't really travel. And as I've just mentioned, 
at this time it was prior to social media, MySpace, I think, existed for young people. And Facebook was in its early days. I think it was being used by uni students, but not by people like me. I did reach out and order magazines from one of the ME charities, but this was also a problem because I couldn't really read and I found it quite difficult receiving a magazine about ME because I was in the throes of its onset. So I can't say I particularly enjoyed that, no offence to the charities, um, but eventually that sort of drifted away from my interest. I remember when my husband bought me my first little clam phone. So we're going back to when you had to press the button about four times to get one letter. And that was exhausting. So if someone sent me a text, it would be a response of yes, no, hello, good, bad. That was about it. I did take quite a bit of convincing to let go of my little clam phone because it had been my initial contact with people in the outside world. But eventually I agreed to an Android phone. And as I have said earlier, it absolutely changed my life because it was so much easier once I'd got my head around using it. And I do find it quite strange because when I was in my 20s, I remember the advent of Windows on Apple Macintosh computers. Um, I was working in PR at that time and my boss said, we can have two programs running at once. And that was amazing. So for me to struggle to send a text message or understand how to send it and formulate it was quite a challenge, but I got there. So I'm going to need to stop recording now because my body gives me a lovely warning when I've been talking too much and my face starts burning so I'm going to stop but I think I hopefully have given you um, just a, a sort of precursor to how everything um, has panned out over a period of many years um, but I will be recording the next part of this answer to this really brilliant question so I hope um, you've enjoyed it so far and I'm really looking forward to telling you more. So thank you again for um, popping in and listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you're having a good day and until next time, take care and bye for now.